We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, where, as usual, I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, thanks for all the ratings and reviews and listening. I read all the reviews. I love it when you guys leave a rating, and it really makes me happy that you guys are enjoying the show. So thanks for that. Now, on to my guest for today. Dima Sorotkin, founder of Panda, a chatbot coaching company based in Finland. The origins of Panda started with Dima joining a student leadership organization where he became interested in self-growth. He became a trainer and ran for president of a national organization where he drew the attention of his co-founder, Lori, a philosopher who had an idea to start a marketplace for coaching. This was the genesis of Panda, but the founders would pivot twice before making it the company it is now. Based on feedback they got, Dima and Lori moved from the marketplace concept to providing analytics to then developing what they have today, a chatbot service for coaching employees. Coaching, Dima explains, helps people to apply principles learned in training. However, person-to-person coaching can be cost-prohibitive. And most companies only hire coaches for executives. Coaching through chatbots offers an effective alternative. If chatbots are something you're interested in using in your own business, you'll want to hear what Dima has to say about how coaching and chatbots are a natural fit and why using the Wizard of Oz model is key for making artificial intelligence work. Dima is also co-founder of Launch Club which was a friend's idea that similarly evolved. It's a platform that brings together aspiring entrepreneurs so they can talk to each other, ask questions, share challenges, and get feedback. He calls it automated networking. Now, let's get better together. Dima Sirotkin, welcome to the podcast. 
Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being on. You are the founder and CEO of a company called Panda. And what's really cool about Panda, among other things, is it's this sort of like, you know, micro coaching uh, platform is what you guys call it, but it uses chatbots and all these cool little chatbotty things, which back in the day, like a lot, this was a couple of years ago, I actually um, was working with a company that had this like chatbot thing that you could build real quick. You know, it wouldn't work. It worked okay. Um, but I'm so fascinated by automation, AI, chatbots, the human chatbot hybrid type of thing, because I think in order to scale something like a coaching thing, which you guys talk about a lot, there has to be sort of a balance between that. And then also in what you're working on at Launch Club, which of course I've got a soft spot in my heart for anyone that launches anything because <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. funnily enough working on uh, how to help companies tell their story so they can nail their next launch, which is always a big problem. But before we get into all that, you know, I'm just rambling as usual. Um, tell me uh, and everyone listening how you got to do what you're doing today. That's that's a great question. It's uh, we actually one of those, I don't know, I'm not sure if there's actually many companies like us where we've been, you know, uh, doing this for five years and it mm. feels like, okay, what we're doing now is really, you know, this is it. Um, but it took us almost like two other companies that we had to, you know, found and bury, even though the name is the same, but, but sort of the pivot was so, so drastic. Uh, so, so the journey was, was quite, quite, um, quite something. Um, I started by, um, joining, um, I mean, not, not started the company, but, but the whole ordeal started when I joined one student organization called ISEC. So, um, it's, it's one of the biggest in the world. In 130 countries, and they develop leadership in young people because it's student-based. They struggle from you know uh, educating people on a constant basis and and recruiting them, and therefore I became a trainer with them, and that kind of launched me into this kind of adult education learning world, and and well, without overstatement, kind of changed my life as well um, because for the first time ever, someone was like, oh, what are your values and what are you afraid of and what are your dreams and what do you want to do? And, and somehow before that, I was just kind of swimming with the current. I didn't really think too much about those things. And, and so that was, you know, in a very kind of a special environment and, and, and somehow like professionally constructed environment that that was very big revelation. And from there, I, I, um, I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? And, um, and, and, and there was a fellow who I met in this uh, same organization. I was applying for being a president on a national level. I didn't get it, but he spotted me on the stage and he came to me and he was like, you seem like an interesting person. Let's maybe grab a coffee, which we did. And then the very first meeting I, I, I met him, I saw him as a philosopher. I was like, oh, we're going to talk about philosophy or something. And then he, he, you know, the first thing he says when we meet is like, I have this business idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What? That's not what I philosopher." And yeah, and, well, I mean, everyone, can, anyone can be an entrepreneur, you know. I mean, some of yeah. the early philosophers and people that had all their their great ideas, if you know, the greatest thinkers. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, it's it's the first time find a job, so they have to become. <laughs> Yeah. It's like poets, poets and artists. I mean, I kid, but you know, if you're going to be a poet, you got to have a day job because that doesn't pay the bills, but philosophers probably similar. 
So he had an idea. He was like, what if we do a marketplace for coaching? He was, he was into oh. coaching. And I was like, nah, I mean, the, the kind of like the consumer stuff that's, I don't know, that sounds difficult and coaching. I don't know, coaching. Let's do a marketplace for training for businesses, mm. for B2B. Mm-hmm. And we built it. So we built a marketplace with like 400 service providers. We went to clients. They're like, yeah, this is interesting. We're like, great. We're going to build it. Um, and then, then, you know, half a year later, we would come back to them and they're like, yeah, it's still interesting, but, uh, maybe not. And, and sort of like all that sort of interest didn't really materialize into, into much. And we realized, okay, the problem was not finding training. The problem was finding good training. Mm. So we're like, okay, how do we find out what training is good? Because they were like, okay, there's this 400 service providers, but who of them are actually doing good stuff. And we started evaluating the effectiveness of corporate training. Mm. So we would collect the data um, and we would provide this analytics as a service. Um, and that, that, you know, that, that grew a lot better. Like it was the first company we made basically zero. Uh, was the second one, I mean, we already had some revenue. We had Bayer, um, the one big European company in pharma as, as a client. Um, and, uh, but it was still quite hard. Um, and the challenge that we've seen is that, okay, the problem is not finding uh, good training, apparently. So when we measured the, the effectiveness of training, um, most of it, the training itself is quite successful. The problem is what happens What happens with people afterwards. And I think many of the listeners can kind of um, think back to, let's say, a good lecture that you listen to. And you go there, you get inspired, you even get knowledge, but you don't necessarily apply it all the time. Right. And the reason is not only because it's not applicable, but also because we kind of lack the habits and lack that sort of you know, putting it into place. And that's how we stumbled upon micro-coaching. So we are like, okay, coaching would really help there because we're currently reporting on a problem and our client is like, yeah, the problem is there, but we can't do anything about it. And we're like, yeah, that's, that's not great. Um, so we're like, okay, there's this coaching thing and there's research that coaching makes like a follow-up on training makes training four times more effective. We're like, mm. well, that's, that's great. You know, um, but it's, it's way too expensive. Like it, it can cost, it costs like hundreds of, of dollars, euros per hour. Oh, yeah. um, so most companies oh. can only afford it for executives. Right. And we're like, okay, how can we automate it? And so we started initially with like doing it with a human coach, but doing it via text and then slowly kind of shifting towards the chatbot technology. Um, and now, like when we were starting, we were not sure if full automation is possible because we we're like, oh, coaching, that's such a complex thing. And now we're at the point where we're like, yeah, it seems possible. Like it's crazy, but like, People like love it and they're like, yeah, like I'm, I'm really getting value. It, you know, it, you know, um, so I'm like interviewing users and I'm like, I'm constantly surprised and I, I'm using it myself and it's still hard to believe. I'm like, yeah, this is like, this is actually good because I think, I think we have sort of a stereotype that the chatbots don't work. Um, well, but- the early ones were really bad <laughs> and some of them are still really bad. You know, all those and little the, customer the, service. The yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The customer service ones in the corner, like, hi, I'm makeup name right you know how can i help you and you're like oh da 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 and it's like wait and then dot 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 you're like ah person person (laughs) but the ones that like it's interesting because i'm i'm glad you brought that up um both on the training side and application of training and as well as technology trying to you know circumvent or not circumvent well replace and or augment people when i work with with companies on this sort of stuff, a lot of this has to do with their story that they tell and then their communications channel, um, especially on customer service, which is one of the 
most untapped communications channels ever. I don't know why people don't do more co- good customer service, right? And it's funny because they ask, well, if we have a chatbot, how many layers of the chatbot before a human pops up, right? And I'm like, oh, one, one layer. And they're like, well, you know, him, ha, him, ha. And I'm like, look, look, people will give you the benefit of the doubt for one layer. After that, if you're like, oh, I can't, can't this the article you want? Like, they're going to be frustrated. And that's the last thing you want. So it's almost like a triage with, with the chat stuff. And, and I'm curious, have you guys found that as well? I mean, I know I've read a little bit about what you do on the, the hybrid approach where it's like, okay, we take, you have a, a you know, a session with a real per, with a coach and then they kind of set the chat bot up to help you. Like, okay, these are the things we're going to go through, which is a great idea. Like, I love the fact that you're sort of preloading these things in and then, at the end of the month or the end of the week or whatever, it's a like a human assesses it like, oh, okay, you're on track, which is a great idea. I, I, and I'd love to understand if, if you found this sort of the same thing where like, yeah, the chat bot <laughs> only goes a couple of levels and it's like, oh, this shit just blew up. <laughs> yeah, actually. So, so that's a surprising thing, right? So that's, that's, that was a shocker for me that, that like we, we think the full automation is possible or, or it doesn't blow up. Like, which is like, I, I know it sounds insane. So like, well, like no, no, I, this is why I want to know because I'm, I'm going to give you the secret sauce. Oh, cool. Ooh, all right, cool. Everyone <laughs> listen up. Listen up. Here we go. Here we go. So, Spitting truth. You know, for, for anyone building conversational chatbots. So first of all, I mean, okay. So to be fair, we had an unfair advantage, which is just the, the, the fact like how coaching is structured. So not everyone knows actually what coaching is and just, just kind of like a one liner. Um, it's different from mentoring. In mentoring, you give advice. So you, you usually know more and you're like, okay, you're struggling with this situation. This is what you need. Here's, here's your solution. With coaching, you rather ask people questions and help them find their own solution. So you're like, okay, what's your goal? You're like, okay, my goal is that. Like, okay. And you know, where are you currently? What's your reality? They're like, well, currently I'm still here. Okay. What are the options? Like, let's generate the ideas and solutions. And then, okay, like what could prevent you from doing it? So it's a lot about questions. And the interesting thing about questions is that it's a lot easier to be relevant because with answers, I'm going to tell you, you know, um, Jerry, you need to, you know, um, focus on working smart rather than working hard. And there's like 50% chance that you're more on the other side of this debate (laughs) and you actually like, you know, working hard. And you're like, no, you know, like, fuck you. It's like, no, <laughs> like, keep, leave me alone. You're like, hey, that's bad yeah. advice for me, right? Yeah. Exactly. On the other hand, if I ask you like, hey, Jerry, how would you measure your success? Oh, interesting. I mean, like, yeah. why would that be irrelevant to you? So there are situations where you would be like, oh, why are you asking me that question? But usually if you structure them well, like you can actually be relevant, like close to 100% of the time. Hmm. So that, that's, that's number one. So that, that's kind of cheating because I'm not sure if there's any other area where you can just like, uh, just be asking only questions because that's what our bot does. Like it doesn't actually give people advice. Oh, give them answers, huh. ask them questions. Ah, ah. So that, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a good, interesting. That's yeah. Cheat code number one. Cheat, okay. Cheat code one. Now what's cheat code two. <laughs> so number two, and I, I think there's like four or something. So number two, um, with chatbots, I think people often try to use AI for creating content. And then it sucks because, well, the bot only, like the AI only goes so far currently, the semantic AI. So, so there's like, there's been stuff like where it's like movies that were like the 
uh, script that is written by the bot. I mean, it kind of like meshes words together and they sort of like, they don't really make sense. I mean, let's be honest. So what we said is like, okay, all the content is written by experts and we, we do it in a modular design. So we have you know, a library of like 500 exercises. And then what AI does is that, so we ask you like, okay, Jerry, what's your uh, struggle this week? And let's say you say, well, um, well, let's hope not, but this is an example I use often. So I'm going to use it that, you know, let's say I'm going through a divorce right now and really can't think about anything else at work. Mm -hmm. So the bot would be like, okay, you know, divorce sounds like work-life, um, you know, uh, work-life uh, challenge. And it would give you like an option out of four exercises. And then you can mm -hmm. just click one of them and it kind of proceed from there. So what the AI does is acting as a recommendation engine rather than a content generator. But that requires a lot of work. Like, I mean, mm. you do need to build it up. Like the problem with the chatbot service stuff is that like they assume that you just like do it for, you know, like a week and then it's done. And it's like, yeah, let's go. Like, uh, no, <laughs> like, so, so, I mean, for us, like building the content library, like was taking a while because we need, we need to have uh, an exercise for each, you know, situation that, that a person might be facing. But then after time, like uh, after some time now, it started repeating already. Third cheat code. So uh, variation. So, so people don't like the repetition. They, mm -hmm. they like novelty. And one thing where you can actually, so I, I told that, okay, you can't use you know, um, AI for, for content creation. One thing you can use it for is kind of variation. So if we have expert written content, now we can use um, GPT-3 from OpenAI that we got access to. So it's kind of like a very advanced um, NLP mm -hmm. model that kind of generates text based on something. Yeah. So we just kind of can feed in the text that the expert wrote and then say, okay, generate me 20 variations of the same thing that basically has the same point, but asks it in a slightly different way. And what we, we can do with that then is, you know, we, we get a score for each session. So potentially what we could do is that with all these variations, we could try them out. So we could also mm. like send, send a lot of them and see, okay, which of them actually perform better. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a, I have a GPT three or open AI account. I haven't yeah. awesome. been playing a little bit with it, but not, mm -hmm. not a ton. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I think for us, I mean, I just today submitted the application for the funding for them. Uh, yeah. I recommend to all the listeners like us uh, yeah. and just publish that they are investing in startups who yeah. are using uh, GPT three. Yeah. So if, if anyone uh, from the listeners are listening, yeah. Uh, but, following it just find some altman on twitter and there's, there's <laughs> yeah i, just I think it in today. yeah i think i think they've got like a hundred million dollar fund or some crazy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. number that they're working on exactly. which is a great yeah. idea i mean yeah. why wouldn't yeah. you do that yeah. so yeah. yeah exactly so that that's the thing and like so so like i mean i'm i'm like honestly surprised but like people are you know saying that like yeah this is some um, you know um and and so we also kind of brought it a step further um where we noticed that because everything is written down and, um, you know, we, we, we get, and, and when in coaching, you help people to set goals. Therefore, you also understand what their obstacles are, what mm. are their main challenges. And then we see patterns. So when, when we, you know, coach 50 people or 100 people in the same department, we start seeing patterns and they think that it's just that, they, like everyone thinks that it's just their problem. But like we see the big picture and we're like, wow, like half of the department is struggling with this um, issue of like having meetings constantly, that there's just way too much. And there's this culture that if you miss a meeting, then you're not going to know what's actually happening. Therefore, you need to attend them. So you attend them and then you have your calendar full and then you don't actually have time to do all the work. And, and it's like, 
everyone is kind of swimming in it, assuming it's normal. So we asked people for, you know, this kind of like, uh, you know, okay, can we sort of record that as okay if we kind of report on the big picture stuff? Another shocker for me has been that people actually see it as an opportunity to express themselves and kind of like mm. uh, tell their management about what's going on. And like, oh, yeah, the, the truth, like this HR surveys, like, they, yeah. like they, they somehow feel like, okay, that that is coming from, I don't know where, and then I have to like, or it's more anonymous. I mean, it's kind of, yeah. so depending on your boss, and yeah. you probably guys yeah. see this, Depending on your boss, most management lives in the bubble. And I used to tell like young, young entrepreneurs and young, young, just young people in general, and they work at a company. Your boss is in a bubble. They never get told the truth and they have no control. Everyone's like, what do you mean? They tell me what to do. And I go, yeah, they tell you what to do, but they really don't have any control of what you do. And people avoid conflict and pain. So if you know your boss gets pissed off by whatever, just name something, you won't say it. Subconsciously, you will train yourself to be like, well, he doesn't like that. I'm going to stop. And so what happens? They live in a bubble, right? And so you can't really express yourself. Now, it's the rare boss. And I'm talking 10% of the boss population, the rare, rare person. I mean, in general, in populations of people, it's the rare person that can hear the truth. Because we don't, I mean, yeah. Debbie Downer, right? Like, and exactly. you sometimes have more of this in, in, well, in engineering, you have more truth because engineers solve problems. And if there's no problems, there's no job. So they're going to complain, whatever, right? But generally, bosses can't handle that. They're human, right? They get overloaded. But yeah, so this thing sounds great because well, usually the, the primary feedback mechanism, like if you have a problem, where should you go? Go to your boss. And then yeah. it's like, okay, what if the boss is the problem? Yeah. Yeah. Well, or, or the way the boss, so the other thing is the way the boss handles the problem and what the boss says. I mean, and it is, it, it, as, as a leader at any level of an organization, as a leader, what you say matters a lot and has way more impact than you ever know. The higher you go up, the more impact your words have. And it seems like an off-throwing statement. You say something that's just like, oh, whatever. Like it's for you, not no big deal. It just ripples. <laughs> and way, so the, yeah, yeah, just like a quick thing to add on this. Um, yeah. I, I didn't plan to go into this on this podcast, but I'm going to mention it briefly because it fits so well. Um, I'm doing, so first of all, a really nice uh, way to finance your startup, um, go for a PhD program. <laughs> okay cool so i'm doing a phd in organization management studying self-managing oh, cool. organizations so organizations oh. that don't have bosses or where where the management is like so so like literally so it's not just like flat hierarchy where you still have the boss but but you like literally you have teams where there's yeah. no designated leader uh, so so like wow. for for all the listeners i really recommend to check it out because like whenever i like to me that's um and i study this stuff right uh, studying to be a PhD. So this is the, <laughs> I'm the future doctor. I mean, I'm kidding, but um, I'm the Dr. future Dima. expert. Exactly. So, 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 so the, the, yeah, I think this is the future of leadership. Like, like I, well, sort of, I study this stuff and, and I think, I think there's a lot there knowing. And, yeah, and it's I don't also know one if... of those things that seems like, okay, wacky and, and kind of like not possible, but like I interact with these organizations. There's not that many of them, but it is possible. Well, there's a lot of these things called co-ops. I'm sure you've heard of co-ops, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's interesting is that co-ops typically tend to be like kind of, I don't know, blue collar, I guess would be the word Mm -hmm. I would use. So like a bakery co-op or a 
grocery store co-op, but the fun, it's the fundamental, like everyone sort of runs the thing and there's teams and it, they sort of self work. Everyone's got to say, and there's this great bakery here in San Francisco called Arizmendi's and it's a bakery mm. co-op. It's like, got it makes the best pizza <laughs> and the, like nice. pastries. It's like the reason why I've gained like so much weight during COVID. Um, my um, own fault, but it's tempting, you know, like. I'm, I'm anyway. thinking to move to San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a, well, if you I'm like, if, to, you, yeah. if you like bakeries, like they're great. Um, and I'm a but big, for anyone you know, who is from San Francisco and you're listening and you think that, you know, what I'm talking about is interesting, feel free to connect. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. It's I'm, totally I'm, cool. I'm eager to meet locals and, uh, you know, if you think yeah. that I'm saying is useful. I'm happy to help you. <laughs> no, so, no, for sure. No, as, for as sure. As then, as long as they open up with the visa stuff. So I'm, I'm <laughs> for the bakeries. Uh, we're working also, on like, with bakeries, as you were saying, it's a blue color. Yeah. But I'm studying as well, actually quite often white color as well. Yeah. And yeah. and um, it's not necessarily the ownership that everyone owns it, and and it's not necessarily that everyone has the same the the same. It's not necessarily kind of communism. It it you know it, it can be that there is a there is a different type of decision making. For example, that um, there is a designated decision maker for each thing, mm. and it just can't be a specific person. So it's not that you need to have like consensus everywhere. It mm. can be that you know this person, and and then there's uh, like organizations where they use advice process, mm. where you have to ask people who are experts on this topic, and you have to ask people who will be affected by your decision, at least a couple, and then you can do whatever you want. Like you want to buy a machine for you know three thousand dollars good if you think that's the right thing and then there's like this so we kind of default we trust people and they yeah. do the right thing and then yeah. if something doesn't have work well then we control and then we're like hey what the hell did you do like interesting you know, so. yeah it's like ray dallow you know who mm -hmm. ray dallow is right well mm -hmm. and his so whatever i don't remember the name of the hedge fund or whatever but oh right? yeah, um bridgewater yeah bridgewater he, he, he writes in his book principles about how they make decisions yeah. and they've got all these systems where it's similar to that, where of course he's in charge, yeah. but it's like, ultimately someone has to make a decision, but they have a like almost an anonymous way to do it because he knows again, cause he's, he's an old guy <laughs> that no one's going to tell him the truth. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other idea that I found really fascinating was as a boss, as a leader, never give advice, never solve the problem, sit back, take it all in. And you ultimately have to make decision, like you said, but you, your influence is 10 X, hundred X, anyone else in the room. And you may not know it because you're in the bubble. So yeah. once you know, you're in a bubble that you have no power and your whole job is to communicate what's going on and make informed decisions, then you're fine. <laughs> yeah. But the ego to get through that is really hard. And I think I was just reading Good to Great on the mm. about the the level five leader, um, mm. which is a combination of humility and will. So kind of like this ego lesson inside. On the other mm. hand, side you you do what has to be done. Like mm. you 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 are bravely making the the decision that you think is the right thing to do um yeah I, I found that quite quite sort of interesting and and powerful um they, they are kind of bringing the link as an example there so um yeah yeah well i, th I love i love the whole thing about the chatbot as the you know hybrid chatbot coaches mm -hmm. it's asking questions from yeah. content that was generated by experts so it can guide you down the right path exactly which which I agree with you, a coach 
fundamentally is supposed to enhance you. It doesn't now, if you're like a performance coach or like a coach on a team, okay, you have a little different goal, but really your job is to take your, your, your players and amplify their skills. What's already there, like guide them down the right path. And it's really fascinating that you mentioned that about, Oh, look, people use AI the wrong way, which they do. And it's all about, and I think you guys have the best use case for this, guiding people down the right path. And so I'm curious, now that you've, you know, you've got this micro coaching, you're going to get a lot of good data. Is it now turning into more of a HR tool to gauge like how well the organization's doing or how is management yeah, how has management like said, oh, yeah, this is great? Or what, what are some of the leadership feedback? Um, it's a hard sell because in a way, what we are proposing is a whole new way to run an organization in a way. Because we are saying like, first of all, your people need to think about what's important for 30 minutes per week. Mm. So you need to enable them with a tool that allows them to do that because they're running in a wheel and they don't really have time to think about what their priorities are and which, which goals they're actually pursuing. Then the second thing we're saying is like, hey, um, do you have a lot of stuff that you're not seeing? And we can deliver that to you and it's going to be you know 100 times better, more efficient and also like more in-depth than your HR surveys. And, um, but it's a, it's a tough to sell because like as a startup that no one knows, I mean, we've made like around about like 100 thousand euros in revenue last year so we're still quite early stage comparatively yeah, yeah. um but but i mean so it's so like not, not super early but but still you know uh, relatively and um you know but but uh we, we've seen sort of with some clients like one one um huge engineering consulting firm one of the biggest in europe um they've changed their um corporate strategy because of our project so we we wow. delivered them information where we're like this is not working they're like oh wow like Holy shit, we, we had no clue. And then they had to completely switch their strategy. And usually they pay, you know, thousands and thousands of, of, of dollars for consultants to, to go there, talk to people, investigate this and write a PowerPoint. And, you know, um, and, and for us, it was just a byproduct because we are helping people to achieve their goals. And then we just, yeah. and wow. um, yeah. And, and I'm also like on, on you know, um, with the management, it's, it's also interesting, like, they might be a bit skeptical in the beginning. I remember like one company, we had like a very small pilot, like it was like 16 employees. And then they were like, okay, like we'll offer it like half and half because we want to compare uh, the two approaches, but we'll give our people a choice and they can choose like, do they work with the, with the human coach or do they kind of go for, 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 um, for the chatbot? And they were shocked that 14 out of, uh, out of 16 went for the chatbot. And they were like, what? Like we, we could never sort of predict it to, to happen. Like we, we thought that people would be more willing to, and it, it kind of has pluses and minuses in a way. Yeah. Um, like what, what we noticed is that with the chatbot, like engineers are a lot more inclined to do, to, to use it because oh, yeah. they want to just like sit in their room and not talk to, to the coach. And I've been using it myself. And like, what I noticed is that with the coach, there's still a human present there and you kind of feel like there is some kind of judgment mm. going your way. The bot mm. is kind of a lot easier to be like fully honest. Because you're like, well, good it's point. That's a really good point. I didn't think of it that way. And there's pluses and minuses. Like I, I yeah. like people. They come in and they sort of compare it with traditional, um, you know, coaching. But it really, you know, it's it's kind of different. Like 
one of the things is, for example, it's it's really fast, right? So it, it kind of like answers you instantly, right? So that's yeah. that's one thing. It um it forces you to write write things down, and then kind of the whole conversation is 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 written down, so you can kind of, and then it has like a huge library of of content, which right. the human coach usually would not be able to to comprehend, <laughs> because it's something that we sort of outsourced from from several experts. Yeah, huh? So interesting. I I wouldn't have thought that either. Well, I can see the engineering. Well, I don't know. I think it'd have been a kind, kind of, of introverts. It's kind yeah, of introverts. I think you're right. I think it's yeah. Maybe it's is an it introvert. The thing is, like, there's so many meetings. People just get drained. So it's like if you if you want if you have another thing and you have another meeting for it, you're like, oh my god, like again, please no. <laughs> can can we do something else? So. I wonder if this would work with customer service for like specific not, thing not really i think customer service people look for advice i mean it it could work in a sense of like as the approach yes but like our tool wouldn't uh in a sense right like coaching itself is kind of like i mean if if you <laughs> if you if you you know um approach the the uh you know customer service and then it it it, it is like okay what is your goal is this <laughs> well so so well the reason i bring this up the reason i bring yeah. this up is i'm working with a company called excite osa they have a uh-huh. product called excite osa it's yeah. a sleep apnea therapy uh-huh cool. and so a doctor prescribes it and then you go through a six week journey mm-hmm. on therapy so as part of that six week journey you know there's an app and you know i won't get into how it does what it does but my guess is that that's a coaching experience because six weeks is a lot of time. You got to do it 20 minutes a day for six weeks. There's other things that are um, important about if you have sleep apnea and how it affects your health and lifestyle. And there's a whole like mess of things. And I'm just so I'm, I'm fascinated by this because, you know, I, again, I, I, one, I work with them Two, I have sleep apnea, so it I've used the product. And it's all about encouraging people to set these goals of not only am I going to complete the therapy, but it's even after the therapy. So after the six weeks of therapy, you Mm -hmm. have to do a couple of times a week. But my guess is the continuing coaching of having different lifestyle change. So as an example, if you get diagnosed with sleep apnea, they usually give you the CPAP machine. You get frustrated with it. The compliance is really low. It's like less than. I think it's less than 40% of the people actually use continue to use a CPAP machine. But sleep is so vitally important that it's almost like you need a sleep coach, honestly, to help you through, well, how do I change my lifestyle? What do I need to do? What are my goals? And so I'm, that's why I'm curious about this because- Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. No, you're right. I think the key there is behavior change. So I first like- Behavior I, change. I guess the associations when you kind of use the word customer service. I'm like, oh, customer service. <laughs> So I, I, I guess no, I we need all customers to not complain. That's the behavior change we need. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Well, they're interconnected. I'm I mean, kidding. They're, I'm kidding. They're interconnected, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. But but it's it's a good point. And also, like actually, like you know, because you made me thinking. I guess I had the first like visceral reaction, but <laughs> my my sort of uh, I also started thinking that like um, I think certain things could be replicated, like sort of. The fact that you, um, and I think they already probably do that in a sense that you have kind of like a constant library of answers yeah. and you try to kind of analyze the question and then sort of provide the right, uh, the right block there. But I think um, for us, what's also interesting is that um, kind of like we are going uh, deep. So for us, 
how it happens is that people block half an hour in their calendar mm-hmm. and it's per week. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and then the session, it's not like you kind of like randomly ask questions, but, but you sort of book it and then it messages you at, a, uh, at, the, at the appointed time. And then you go through this half an hour where each question builds upon the next. So mm. if you're setting a goal, I'm going to be asking, okay, why is it important to you? And then, you know, what would you feel if you would achieve it? And how would you know whether you achieve it? And stuff like that. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's kind of a bit, a bit different approach, but in terms of like, I mean, yeah, I mean, coaching for, um, for physical therapy, if we call it that way. Um, yeah. um I, I think it, it is like, I mean, it, it's, um, it is great for behavior change because it does a lot about kind of, um, you need to find your own way. Yeah. Everyone is different. You need to, yeah, you yeah. Need to kind of, um, learn about yourself, reflect and, and see what works for you. And that's, um, that's where it works really well. Um, yeah, this, this may be the first actual practical application of AI that doesn't suck. <laughs> well, there, there is like image recognition and, uh, oh, well, okay. Okay. So you mean chatbots in a chatbot? Well, well, like, so most AI now <clears throat> is fraud detection, like the big, the big ones, right? Fraud detection. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's, is that really sort of kind of it's machine learning pattern matching? Um, the other one is manufacturing defects, like something's going down, they can yeah. train it. AI, I don't really believe a lot. Well, I'm a little bit skeptical, but, oh, but I, I do, yeah. but good. I do think this particular, like this, this application, this approach, I, I think that, yeah, a, a coaching environment where like good therapy, like if you have a good therapist, a good therapist's whole job is just to ask questions till you answer your own questions. So he's and like, oh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, the reason why I think this this works and, and you know why why we believe it works so far is because and, and this is a secret, right? So we we made it work without AI first. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean you have to. Like yes. why 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 would you be building stuff that you know you don't know if, if anyone actually would care? So exactly. we built it algorithmically first, um, right? And then we saw that people still love it or like, I mean, not everyone. I mean, it's not for everyone, but yeah, there's right. those who are like, oh my God, like, yeah, I'm getting so much value out of it and it, it totally works. So you're like, okay, like, okay, well then then if it works like this and currently we have an expert who says like, okay, you did this exercise, then this is this exercise would, you know, you would do next. We're like, yeah, that's not difficult to automate. I mean, it would take time, but like AI can do that. Like it's, it's essentially like um clustering you, you you take yeah. a sentence and then you try to cluster it according to like which um which exercise does it does it fit to and then that's kind of level one and level two would be analyzing the whole conversation but level yeah. one can even just ask them a question like you know what's your goal right now like what, what are you starting with right now and then based on their challenge you just kind of match it to the right exercises yeah and it's it's not like that difficult with the current NLP levels. So. And I, I think this is a really good point to make for those entrepreneurs that are going to jump on the machine learning AI bandwagon. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, wizard. Exactly. The Wizard of Oz. Do Wizard Wizard of Oz first, then automate. And yeah. I think what I've seen in the AI machine learning space now that I think about it, it has a lot to do with taking these manual processes that humans do, really understanding how the process works, having the experts weigh in. I think it's always going to be this expert, you know, you, you got to know what you, you need to know in order to do Like if you don't know the process, no one or the insight firsthand, no amount of AI throwing billions and billions of lines of data at it's going to, it's going to just, 
it's crap in crap out. I think like I've seen this cause I've seen, I've tried to use some of these tools to do some things that are like unstructured, just completely a disaster. It One exception that I've seen uh, in biotech and there oh, you can't actually it. do the wizard of us. So what they have is that, well, I don't fully even understand it, but essentially it's about complex patterns. Mm. So you have a lot of data and then you're like, okay, based on this data, you essentially just build like this kind of like AI model and then mm. you throw data into it and, and then it says you, hey, I find this patterns. And you're like, oh, like, holy shit, that's- exactly What's that right. pattern? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So I, yeah, I don't maybe. like fully understand it, unfortunately, but but I, like our CTO has been working with that. So I, I, I know that it's yeah. not a fad. Like it, it actually, like he's been working with some researchers and kind of helping them without actually even understanding what the hell they're doing, like very precisely. Because what, all he cares about is that they give him data, he cleans it, he looks for patterns and then he delivers those patterns. Yeah. And that, is, that is AI. And, and that is kind of hard to wizard of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's <laughs> like the reason why they don't do it or they actually do it. Like the, the, the people do do it, but, but it's, it takes them like, like to go through all that data, it would take a human like hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's <laughs> the same with like when I used to do DNA sequencing, that was one of oh. the things that was pretty, pretty important. Cause like DNA sequencing, I mean, you're right. Like, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because biology is yeah. a hard thing to model. Yeah. And we used to give the molecular biologists crap all the time because they would be like their, their data and their experiments are so like random number generators, honestly, like they have their variability, their stats are just like, this is awful. And then they would get, I we was on the semiconductor team because we did semiconductor sequencing. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times someone will charge into my cube being like, your chip, your DNA sequencing chip sucks. Look at my data. And I'd look at it and I'd be like, it's biology, man. Like, there's no way that this is my variability. This is all your variability. Cause their variability would be like 4X, 10X different. And I'm like, no, no, it'll be catastrophic failure on my end. Or it'll be like that little deltas that are like not even statistically significant. And I, my whole job, my whole job and all the guys that I used to work with would tell you, my whole job was to defend our honor. <laughs> so <laughs> I would just take data, analyze it. I, my whole day would just be like, can you find something wrong with this? And 99% of the time it was molecular biology. And there was a couple of times, and of course I'm not fully admitted it, that our chips were screwed up, but it was like catastrophic fall off the cliff. Like it just didn't work. It was it was so fascinating because they were looking for patterns too. And it was DNA sequencing, especially semiconductor sequencing is, is a pretty tough nut to crack it, it. They can do it now and they've been successful for a long time, but yeah, it's a good point. Good point. So interesting. Oh, it's so cool, man. Like this AI stuff. I'm so fascinated by it. I, I hope to <laughs> learn, learn more. That's why I love talking to, to people that are actually doing it. So, um, we mentioned a little bit ahead of time that you also are part of this group called Launch Club. Yeah, um, that's uh, my my uh, startup by accident. Startup by accident. <laughs> you know, you know how they tell like you go to Las Vegas, you get drunk, and then bots you co-founded a startup. Exactly, exactly. It's like you go um, to the casino and then you you return and you're like, what? Like I I have shares in the company. What? And like what happened, man? How come? Yeah, why come I got a tattoo? Um, and yeah. married i'm married uh, what, you know I, I i crashed a couch of a friend um, uh -huh. was in startup circles and he was like i need a coach but i can't afford it what if we coach each other mm. and i was like that's actually a cool business idea and then i launched it over the weekend mm -hmm. and we initially launched it for everyone and didn't work 
Um, but then he picked it up and he launched it for founders, for mm. startup founders. Mm -hmm. And uh, he launched it on Product Hunt and he, he was kind of crazy. He was like, yeah, what if we charge 50 bucks per month? I was like, you're insane. So that's right. And then people started paying. I was like, what? Like, what, what's happening here? And, um, and then, so we've been doing that for the past year where I've been just helping him with strategy. So I'm kind of like, I started with like a hands-on advisor and then we were applying to some accelerators and they don't like solo founders. So I turned into a co-founder. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's and, true. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so essentially like all we do is that we connect people in one-on-one -on -one video calls um and people love talking to other like-minded people and we try to frame it as a conversation about their challenges so before they enter a call they sort of enter okay what are your current challenge and you know what are the top challenges what are the main questions you're trying to answer about your business and that kind of like jump starts the conversation that they are not just talking about each other and getting to know each other um but but actually kind of okay what are you struggling with can i help you and there's kind of two two sort of different i think value adds there or maybe several like i mean one is of course emotional support so there's a lot mm. of soul founders that come to us and they um so now we we actually we're shifting towards helping uh launch uh founders who's launching so going even more niche so that's why launch club mm -hmm. um but they yeah i mean they are like yeah I, I can't talk to my wife about it like it's uh you know that she she's like fed up with it so i need i need yeah. someone else and and i'm living in the you know outside the city or there's COVID and i don't have anyone to talk yeah. to or whatever um or or people who just like networking and they feel like okay they want to get extra advice and one hand it's therapeutic because you're telling someone about your problems so you kind of you're getting it out and while you're talking you're getting ideas on the other hand it's you also get advice so you get feedback you get advice um yeah so that's um and i've been that was just like i was like wow like why, why does it work this is this is crazy but yeah um well i mean like i i belong to this thing called <clears throat> founders network cool um and it's a global heard. yeah it's a global um network it's founded in san francisco almost 10 years ago uh -huh. and it's peer mentoring for tech founders and so when you know been part of that organization for the last I think since 2017, roughly. And yeah, no, I mean, it, it, this is a lonely job and it, there's no ands, ifs or buts about it. And yeah, you can't really talk to your spouse, even if they're, well, if they're an entrepreneur, they yeah. understand, yeah. but you know, like my, <clears throat> my late wife, Jane, who, who I talk about all the time on the podcast, she, she died four years ago from leukemia. She was an entrepreneur. And so we would talk about business and her dad was an entrepreneur and all these sort of things. Mm. But my fiance now, Minerva, she's not an entrepreneur. Um, she works at a big company. And although we can talk about career and stuff, it's not something that is sort of like an interest, you know, like with, with, with some people, they just, Oh, tell me more about it. But you're right. There's other times just like, can you just go talk to your buddies about that? <laughs> Um, because it gets it gets old. I mean, as as entrepreneurs, it's all we care about. And some people are just so obsessed about oh my buzz a bit. That's all they talk about. You're like, you need to have something else to talk about. Like have a hobby that's not making you money, right? Is what I always tell people. <laughs> <laughs> because because then it's not a hobby, right? I mean, I get it. You want to like do a side hustle and write code, but like do just do something for you. You know, like it, it you will be shocked as to how well that will generate awesome ideas and put you put things in perspective. I mean, and, and so are, are you, are you sort of using some of the same 
technology that you have in Panda for Launch no, Club? No, it's, it's quite different. Quite um, different? In Launch Club, essentially, um, so I mean, we tried actually different um, coaching sort of um, coaching techniques for people. So they also ask each other questions. Mm-hmm. But being frank with you, it didn't work. I mean, people like <laughs> as long as they're on a call, they're just fully immersed. Like they, yeah. we had a sidebar with, with stuff. I mean, they look if there's like a profile of another person and yeah. they look if they answer a question beforehand about yeah. their challenge. Then they're like, okay. But like we tried to enter like some frameworks that they can use to ask each other questions. So we yeah. tried to you know, different do different things there and didn't really work. Like we tried to kind of make them commit to a goal. Uh, so people like, feel kind of yeah. really immersed. If, if we kind of push them to do it, like before the call, before they yeah. enter, we have like a screen and you have to answer it. Yeah. Then they're like, yeah, cool. Um, but otherwise it's been pretty hard. Yeah. So the main for, for Growth Club, the main thing there is the like matching algorithm. So kind mm. of like, how do you how do you match people? So it's it's a bit different mm. um, in that regard, even though like the um the thinking is similar. And also it's actually like we have been thinking about like, okay, should we go into like B2B there with launch club mm. and offering this like peer-to-peer coaching for or I don't know, it doesn't have to be coaching, but like talking <laughs> conversations. No, for, no, no. I think peer peer mentorship. Mentoring, mentoring, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Peer mentorship is so, a huge thing. Yeah. So far, kind of like the B2C did work for us, but it's it's a similar. And I, I just was writing another Medium article, kind of like what's uh, the, the, the next big thing could be in education. Yeah. Um, and, and then the two trends there I see is one kind of automation of AI, which I'm doing with Panda. And the yeah. other one is peer-to-peer learning, which is what I'm doing with, with Launch Call. Um, so I, I think the second like, and, and it's all about kind of like, okay, how do we make it cheaper? Because I, I was amazed I was reading the Rational Optimist um, mm. by Matt Reedley, I think. And he wrote that healthcare and education are the only two things that haven't got cheaper since. Yeah, that's hundred percent true. Uh, you just look at the curve; it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it makes no everything sense. Everything else got cheaper. Like everything else improved over time. Yeah. Um, but but these things are still kind of um, unaccessible. Like again, yeah. back to coaching. It's like um, I mean, I, I don't know about U.S., but in, in Finland, well, I roughly know, but it's probably more or less the same. In Finland, it's like two hundred fifty euros per hour. It can be, you know. Yeah. Uh, Starting yeah. like at least a hundred probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. That, no, no, you're right. No, you're totally right. I mean, I, 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 the, I mean, it's the reason why I'm in founders network is because uh, peer mentorship uh, community of like-minded individuals that understand what you're going through. Yeah. There's just, that's gold. I mean, how, how, how does it work there? Do you also meet in one-on-one? Is it masterminds? Um, they have like a bunch of different uh, ways. So they've got, um, keynote speakers, events, uh, virtual meetups. And then there's a platform where you can just ask questions. So a lot of it's like asking questions. And I happen to also be, you know, an onboarding mentor. So it's similar, like, oh, you're new to the platform. Talk, you know, here, this is what we're going to talk about. Right. But it's not, I mean, it's interesting because it's not like kind of what, what you're doing. It's a little bit different, you know? Yeah. Because for us, it's like they meet every time, every week they meet a new person. And then they could do a follow up with them if they if they like it. Yeah, uh, right. some people kind of agree on. And we are currently experimenting also with different formats, but that that is the one that kind of got you know got sticky in a way that that seems yeah. to work. But we we're experimenting with like a buddy, you know, where you would meet yeah. the same person every week and kind of have a you know discussion about your strategy, um, masterminds, um, stuff like that. Um, yeah. yeah. But but so far, this kind of like meeting new people um, seem to be quite interesting. That yeah. you just you just gotta match in your calendar, and you don't yeah. need to, like you know automated networking. <laughs> well, right. yeah, it's sort of like <laughs> it's sort of like how, but it's it's yeah, yeah it's more than it's, networking. It's like how we met on Matchmaker.fm. 
Yeah, yeah. But, but, but this wasn't automated, right? So, so it would be if we don't even need to do anything. And right. Kind of, right. So you oh, definitely our calendar, and then just like you, you guys yeah. need to. You definitely need to talk to James about that, the CEO yeah. of Matchmaker. <laughs> we actually, have, he actually, he was actually the guy who who was um, proposing us to go into B two B with Launchpad. Oh, he really liked our technology. He was like, "Hey guys, like I I, I want to sell you to, to companies." So yeah. we were in discussion about that. So we'll oh, see. cool! So like, cool. Oh, doesn't harm to test. Like, if you if you want to go with it, like, go ahead. Awesome, awesome. So, so what, what advice would you give for the next generation of entrepreneur coming up? What, what do you think you would tell them? I, I wrote an article that w- went uh, semi-viral, at least m- more reads than I ever got, like more than 30,000. Um, wow. And, um, yeah, uh, on Medium. Uh, so that was, um, the, ar- the title was, um, don't uh, raise money, don't hire, don't build, sell. And the subtitle was how I burned 200,000 euros by uh, raising money and building a thing no one wanted. So um, the point is, usually we think that like people who just come to startups, they think that it's all about raising investment. Then you hire a lot of developers, then you build your product, and then you sell it. And I would argue it's the opposite, like completely opposite. So you start with selling. Then if you're sort of successful and you sell the, the PowerPoint, you sell, I don't know, the website, right? Which, which doesn't actually have the product, but only has the kind of... Yeah, the promise. Yeah, exactly. The promise. The promise. Yeah. And, and see, do they actually click? Does anyone care? And the reason is because most startups die because of lack of demand. And that actually is a fact. Like that yep. is, like if you look at statistics, that's the thing. Not, yep. not anything else. So, so most people are building stuff that no one needs or yep. wants. So, so, so you need to test that first. It's, it's not investors that you need to convince. You need to convince the clients. So, so you try to sell first. If that's successful, then you build a bit. Then you, then you build your product. Then you build your MVP. Then, you know, and, and, and then you, know, you, you start that flywheel. So you, yeah. you build a bit, you, you, you sell a bit, you build a bit, you sell a bit. If that works, then you're like, okay, maybe I could hire one more person. So you sell a bit, you build a bit, you hire someone. And then at a point where you're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is working really well. Then you raise investment to kind of commercialize when you have an engine already that's that's working and you're yeah. like, okay, yes, we, we are we actually got something here. We have some sort of product market fit. And and um, like for me, it was a shocker when I started fundraising, and then the investors are like, I'm an early stage investor, and then they tell you that you need to have at least 10k MRR. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I was like, 10k. Why do I need you? <laughs> at early stage, like that's like if I, I know. 10K, MRR, I'm I'm like I'm rich. I know, <laughs> you know? I know. It's crazy. Or, no, that's the way it so works now. It's exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I, maybe it always has been. I don't know. But but no, it's, uh, like that's, it's not uh, always been this way. Not back yeah. in 2000 or even 2008. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was not this way. No. Yeah, yeah. So the, back then you could still actually raise it as a PowerPoint. I see. I mean, yeah, 1998. You could for, you know 14 slide PowerPoint deck. They'd give you 10 million if it had internet in it. <laughs> I'm telling, and I'm not joking. I had friends that that yeah. happened like that. They're like, "Yeah, go build internet." I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but but not anymore, unfortunately, or, or maybe fortunately, because it might have been foolish. So, so you 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 know, so yeah, that, that's kind of like the last thing you you want to think about. And like for us, for example, for Panda, it's it's bootstrap. I mean, we we use some government grants, uh, which Finland is you know lucky to provide. But other than that, um, like uh, we haven't actually got investment still um because we're still kind of like getting to that product market fit and and we understand that the further you know along we, we get it the less we dilute ourselves and also like it puts so much pressure like the reason why we, we could pivot three times and not die is because 
um because there was not so much kind of pressure that okay you need to kind of make that work and like here's more money and dump into it and another thing that i noticed when we had the 200,000 euros that we raised from the government was that when you have that much money you start depending it on stupid shit and your decisions <laughs> are really like it's hard to control like it happened to me twice the second well the second time it was a lot a lot better already but like the first time it was kind of like the logic was always like oh this thing won't kill you like oh like five thousand more years whatever like that's that's not a big deal i mean that's ridiculous if, if anything like oh like there's interest yeah let's go to us like yeah let's let's see if there's interest there let's you know yeah it, it's hard to explain but it, it's real like <laughs> it's no it, it's it's the death of a thousand cuts creep the creeping costs it's just like in your personal life i mean and you it, stop you stop thinking about like what's actually bringing you money because you feel like right. yes like it's it's this full safety because you're like you don't yeah. feel it because you're like oh we have money for 12 months whatever yeah it's yeah like, yeah you know you I mean, be, great yeah. but like are you actually doing the things that would get you and when you don't have money then you are like urgent like okay what will give us revenue like now we can't wait we, we can't build this feature for three months we need to release it today and see does it bring us this you know ten thousand k because otherwise we're not going to survive like it, right. it puts really serious constraints but but the, sometimes limits are really liberating in some way so, no so that I, would be I, yeah my, my cool no, I think creativity, like constraints on creativity is where the most creative ideas come from. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, Dima, this has been great. I'm so glad that you told us all your secrets. <laughs> I'm, you know, you can find me on Medium. On, on yeah. Well, I love it. I, I, I love joining podcasts and telling all my secrets. So, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, let's see. I mean, I'm, uh, as I said, planning to move to San Francisco. So if, if the country ever lifts the uh, the no visa block, then I, I might actually, you know, come by. Uh, and Oh, they, they will. Uh, don't, it'll happen. It always, it always does. You know, yeah. cooler heads prevail, it, it, you know, and yeah, it's it's not so much that the they're sort of stupid. I think they're right. Uh, it just, uh, yeah. No, it'll it'll happen. Well, yeah, as soon as you get to SF, we'll definitely show you around and like would be awesome. Yeah. Take get some coffee and uh, appreciate appreciate all your time, man. Keep keep building this great thing. Keep in touch and uh, stay safe. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks, Dima, for a great interview. I got a lot out of it. Learned a ton about AI and chatbots and coaching. Super interesting. Now, as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Dima. Sell first, grow later. Dima stresses the importance of testing the idea in the marketplace before building it. Sounds kind of counterintuitive on how to do, but I think this is actually a decent strategy to actually go figure out if whatever you're going to build, someone actually wants to buy. The faster you can do that, the better. Focus on creating your product or service before seeking investors. It's likely you have to do this anyway, right? Because a lot of investors want, you know, some sort of monthly recurring revenue and some sort of minimum viable product, right? So um, that's important. And the other good thing is this will take the pressure off you because if you do have investors, they're going to want you to, you know, scale what you've built. And this was actually really critical for Panda because they had to pivot a bunch of times. Get Ramen profitable before scaling. Ramen profitability means you're paying yourself a little bit. It's not a ton, but you're sort of figuring out how to operate a company, right? And this does two things, right? First, it gives you an idea of your unit economics, right? You can actually make some quote unquote money. And second, 
It allows you to not have to take so much investment, right? I think this is really critical. Unit economics and trying to figure out pricing and all that sort of stuff. You want to kind of do that before you start scaling. So anyway, those are the actionable insights that I learned from Dima. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.